we bought a 2021. This podcast is good. We, but it could be great. Existentialism for children. Why does your voice sound an awful lot like a 20-something white dude? It annoys people. Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, the last episode of 2020, boys. We made it. God damn. Cheers. Cheers to the end. We're drinking... uh, White wine, which is kind of like champagne. It's champagne, except it tastes mm. better. You might be listening to this already in 2021. We're recording this on the 30th, but we're looking back at 2020. Um, and uh, goddamn, what a fucking year. Yeah. If anything, this this was the thing that kept me alive, you know? What, what was Fuck it? a vaccine. It's all about podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. This was the year that... Uh, our game was infiltrated by two groups that are unwelcome. The first is celebrities got crazy into podcasting, like former TV stars do, started doing episode by episode pods. Kumail, we're looking right at you. Um, just yeah, office ladies. Yeah, it, like like a listers just realized that this was another way they could make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then B during quarantine, it just everyone like I don't think these people even have their podcast licenses like we got. <laughs> yeah. They didn't I went grind. to podcasting school. <laughs> I pay $140 every six months to go to the DMV, which stands for um, the Dave Matthews van, um, which is there's a guy who lives on my block who who supplies these licenses for way cheaper than the uh, actual DMV. Uh-huh. It's not it, it's not not to be confused with the other Dave Matthews. Well, no, it's it is it has covered in stickers of Dave Matthews band, and I think it's the one that was used in that infamous incident where the poop thing. Yeah, they dumped all the poop out onto the classic. Yeah, classic. I think it's that van. It smells like that van. Yeah, and he records a podcast about that in the van. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know why? Because he has a fucking license. Yeah, but. All of a sudden, I, you look on your IG story and it's like, ha, stay tuned. Aha. Like, what are you going to talk about, bro? Uh, yeah. Kumail is going to talk about his workout regimen. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. Instead, you want to hear three people who don't really know what they're talking about, but they are very vocal about their opinions. They, these, these two girls that I uh, used to work with started a podcast this year called Namaste Bitching. Nice. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let them know you said that because I didn't um, <laughs> hey, hey, man, su- support your local podcasters, man. Um, We're all just trying to grind through. We're trying to get by. It's it's basically ju- it was just them talking about like their problems working at a restaurant, like really hyper specific stuff there. And uh, now it's just like done. They, they did like Defunct. a few. Up- they, yeah, they did a few ups and then got bored. Damn. See, yeah. see, this takes commitment. Yeah, we did over 200 ups and, and we did get bored after a few. <laughs> And we still do this shit every week, every week we're out here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta say like, it's a, it's a nice thing of consistency every week in, in a world of uncertainty to know that we can sit here once a week and at least do this show. It was a, a good way to, to, to lessen the fucking hit 
of this fucking awful year. Yeah. 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 I I mean, this was there was a lot of shit that went bad this year. Um but yeah, I'm glad that we are all sitting at this table together cuz uh doing Zoom uh podcasts kind of suck. Um, risking our lives for the we're listeners. risking our lives for this uh might be risking it more since there's new covid strains that aren't covered under this vaccine but you know what 2021 it it, can't, no it can't be that's not what it is it can't be any worse than it's this. not oh, they're not gonna they're not gonna skirt the vaccine they're, it's just a more contagious mutation but the va- the vaccine will still be effective against it right well, let's drag down uh, our top 10 memes of 2020. Oh, uh, I don't know. I th- Those things are number 10. Chris Evans with Buzz Lightyear. That honestly, like really quickly, like rose up the ranks for me. <laughs> That's a really that might be just one. number one. Yeah, it's I um, get an unlimited amount of, my, use of it all the time. My number 10 is bad luck. Brian, Um you probably haven't seen him. He he's not very well known, but uh, this guy just is not. I mean, twenty twenty be like, and then bad luck, Brian. You, mm-hmm, you get the mm-hmm. you know the yeah. you, know, you know the drip. Yeah, uh, the Bernie one was good. Though I'm once again asking you to to vote early. Yeah, yeah. okay. To vote and cert vote. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a good one. Um, Adele Dazim is really high up there. I thought it was really funny how we the meme of like us pretending that Joe Biden was the best option to that was elect. Great. That was funny. Yeah. That was so cool. It was a good year of memes. I'd laugh. Hey, I, you know, I laughed my butt off this year. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Boys? Michael, Michael Jordan. I took that personally. Yeah. Last dance memes. Cause everybody watched it. Uh, Tiger King freaking Carol Baskins much. Yo, yo, um, that, that bitch is mean dude. I, I, I bet she killed uh, that man. Yeah, I think that the best uh, source of memes this year was definitely um, Scoob. Yeah, uh, that that be that all took off. What and about mostly people? People like that they replace the exclamation point with a question mark, mm-hmm. as in mm-hmm. like where where is Scoob? Gotcha, gotcha. The actual title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the um, the smooth brain? I'm just looking up memes. <laughs> just Googling. You're going on like r slash advice animals and just <laughs> looking. Yeah. <laughs> this is already a great episode, guys. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. slaying it. Um, socially awkward penguin. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda lip biting. Yeah. Those finally took off this year. I was on that tip so fucking yeah. long ago. Um, those pics have just been sitting around just waiting just wait. I, I think well, I there's still more to mine. This yeah. man needs to get fully canceled. <laughs> well, I remember whenever we did our Hamilton episode, I was really against a lot of the politics of it. And you were a staunch Hamilton head, if mm. I remember correctly. Specifically, you said that you liked the way that Hamilton dealt with race relations. You thought yeah. that, that was good. I gave I gave it a Hamilton. Mm. Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not mm-hmm. what Mark Hamill gave the Last Jedi. Uh, that's for sure. He didn't like that. Good yikes. Um, so we should probably introduce ourselves. Should we start the podcast? <laughs> Are we? Can you start recording now? <laughs> I am Ernest. I am uh, 
I don't have anything. Twenty twenty one. I'm I'm twenty twenty one hunter. Twenty twenty one. What do you think about podcast? Skimble shanks. Oh no! For the final time ever, I'm skimble shanks. <laughs> I don't I'm believe calling you. bullshit on that. I don't one. believe this at all. <laughs> I think no. Skimble shanks is now dead. What? Maybe once you see uh, Wonder Woman eighty four, you'll change from skimble shanks to being known as Cheetah. Hmm. Well. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. We have to. we have a, a review of Soul in the in the back half of this episode um, that you um, we'll get to. Maybe maybe you should just go ahead and skip to that right now. Just hit the the podcast button no, and no, we got we got plenty of good stuff to talk. About we got here. some ketchup for you. So why don't you start us off, Drew? It looks like you uh, you've been watching a little something something. Well. Uh, I went. I went back home for Christmas. First of all, um, showed the rent some good, good films. Um, they they hadn't seen the movie Seven somehow, although they were huge fans of Silence of the Lambs. So I, I showed them Seven. Uh, that was what were they doing in the nineties? Uh, movie good old, good old having lads. coitus, making babies. Yeah, yeah, that movie came out when, like when they had me. Nice. Um, it was it was on in the background. That's why they weren't watching it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's why I'm a little twisted. <laughs> That's why I got Joker. How many babies were conceived during 2019's Joker? Do you think? Oh, not man. enough. So many, so many twisted babies. Um, show them that. Uh, show them bad education because uh, my mom is a teacher and my dad works in education law, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was a huge hit. That movie's really great. Hugh Jackman joint. Great second watch. Um, like it's it's still it holds up exactly like directorially. It's gorgeous. It's so well done. The pacing is solid. My main critique of it, which is that you're you're separating your two superstar actors and they have like two scenes together and those scenes are incredible. That still holds um, though. They need to be together like they it makes no sense to me. Um, other than that, though, this is a really, really great movie. Um, watch The Town mm. uh, on TNT as it was oh, meant yeah. to be watched. Yeah. And it's the town's awesome. Yeah. It's I- are you ready to come around to the take that the town is a better Boston movie than Departed? No, that's stupid. That's still stupid. Um, the Departed. The, the town makes sense. The Departed. It is so what? Oh, Hunter famously loves movies that make sense. Like I don't know, David Lynch films. <laughs> David Lynch films make plenty of sense. You just have two love. The Departed. IQ. The Departed is a Lynchian film. <laughs> If you think about it like that, it's actually really good. Yeah. Scorsese always says this about yeah. The Departed. Right, so Hunter actually is coming around to the take that Ben Affleck is better at directing than Scorsese. It Ooh. sounds like. That's what it sounds like. I mean, yeah, like Scorsese's never made a live by night. That's true. Um, nor has he made an Argo. Didn't watch Argo. That's not a transition. Uh, watch Jaws. It's, it's on HBO Max because uh, mm-hmm. I hooked up my parents with HBO Max while I was up there. Jaws is actually, I think it's pretty good. A fucking banger movie, bro. <laughs> Had you seen Jaws before? Yeah, yeah. A million oh, times. okay, okay. Jaws rocks. <laughs> I was making sure. Um, no, that that is like fair game. Like any famous movie, I could have not seen. I haven't well, seen anything. Um, I'll tell you one thing I have seen though that's uh, way more important than any cinema that you saw on your Odyssey this year. Um, I got I got my first tattoo this month, um, and I think that. It led me to realize that uh, Netflix is a part of the amalgam of corporations that is listening via my phone to everything I say. Nice. Because like right before I like the day before I got it, because I've been talking about it plenty. And uh, the show called Ink Master pops up in my uh, like the banner show of, of my Netflix feed. This is an old reality show 
Um, it's it, I don't even know if it's still running or not. It was a cornerstone of Spike TV, which is a defunct network now. It's called the Paramount Network now. It's no longer like, you know, TV for dudes who want boobs and well, beer. What was it? Um, not man. Mansers. Mansers. Yeah. yeah, there we go. How many 13, boobs can you fit in a butt? 13 seasons. Bar yes. Rescue. There, what so, in the hell? So this show is deeply flawed, but this is a uh, it's a competition show, much like your, I guess, your top chef. Um, that is centered around uh, tattoo art. Like it's, you know, it's a, a collection of tattoo artists who are put through a series of pretty grueling challenges um, and are judged by uh, three, you know, two very famous tattoo artists and also Dave Navarro. Oh boy. The, who also hosts the show, the guitarist of Jane's Addiction and at one point Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, who for his age is looking great. Definitely has gotten some, some fillers, some jaw fillers, Definitely some plastic surgery going on, but he looks good. He's not a bad host. Um, the show is needs to be someone needs to revamp this format for a reality show, but make it not for Spike because this is such a toxically masculine show it, and it doesn't need to be at all. But the two other judges are fucking pricks. They have no redeemable traits. They're just mean like they're they're tattoo artists and. They, you know, it's, it feels very traditional tattoo culture where like, it's very like toxically masculine. It's all about like tradition. That's not what tattooing is anymore. The tribal tats. Yeah. Tattooing is much more about inclusion now. And there is so much, uh, like the, the new school of tattoo art has exploded even since, uh, the early seasons of this show, which by the way, there are only two on Netflix. The others, I don't know where you could find. But these early seasons, like so much of about the show hasn't aged well. A lot of it is that like the things that they are calling new school are not new school anymore. It's very funny. Um, I, I think that that's also a Spike TV thing, too, because remember Bar Rescue? I don't remember what the guy's name was. John was, Taffer. Yeah, John Taffer. He's just an asshole for like no fucking yeah. reason. Just like he's just like this is how you run a business is like, isn't it your fucking job to come in here and like help me? Like, I don't. Well, yeah. And he also like, like doesn't dick. like he it really never works. Like, yeah, he, he does. He's not good at anything. He does. <laughs> that's on a that bad show. show. <laughs> um. But this show, like, it's very, it's fascinating. Like, it's, you learn a lot about tattoo art, like, how it works. The the one billion pitfalls that you can have while, de- like, from the design process through, like, having a difficult uh, canvas, you know, th- uh, like, all the way through um, just making simple mistakes uh, in your execution. So it's very, very interesting. And yet it's so fucking held back by this archaic format. It was archaic when it came out, but now just even more so. These judges need to go. Dave Navarro, I'm sorry, bud. You tried. So you're you're saying it doesn't need to be a competition? It's well, it's hard because you there are shows that real, reality shows that exist that center around just like hanging out in a tattoo shop mm-hmm. and like a new, you know, a new person will come in every day. And the way those shows have to work is like someone will come in with a crazy story. Yeah. You know, and then they'll like, you know, do like a little a remote segment where they like film this person's life and then they they get the tattoo and it's really cool or whatever or you could have a uh nathan for you situation where it's like you're trying to help out the tattoo shop by some wacky idea that's gonna yeah. get them more customers <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be better this it just is so it is hard just like a show like top chef is which top chef is like the peak of competition reality shows it's up there with any of the other like all times it's so good um but like 
you know, making food beyond like execution, a lot of it comes down to your taste. And that's way more so true with fucking tattoo art. Like they can dislike a tattoo that like me and like my girlfriend or whoever you'll be watching. You'll be like, I know that that's a good tattoo. Yeah. Like I it's like such a subjective. They are simply form. wrong. Yeah. It's it's a lot like watching Project Runway, which is like mm-hmm. one of the biggest reality shows ever made uh, in terms Cloth- of clothing design. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really, really like avant garde fashion design. And it's it's really fun to watch. But you watch that show and you're like. I, I don't know if that is a good outfit yeah. or not because it's, it's all for runway. It's yeah. not even for consumers most of the time. So it's all nonsense. Uh, this show, you can tell when it's like really bad or really good. Absolutely. And you learn more as it goes on. So that's very fun. But this show is so I, it, it's it's so frustrating because I can make it better. I wanted to ask, have you guys ever heard of the show? How far is tattoo far? Yes. It's based on a British show. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there was a point earlier in quarantine when uh, my girlfriend and I, she like was telling me about the show and we found some clips of it on YouTube. And this is like the most mean spirited show that I've ever seen in my life where it's just like they have, it'll be like two people. They could be like dating or friends or whatever and they have uh the other person design a tattoo for them and like put it on their skin and like there was this one where there was a couple um and he had tattooed on her like i'm breaking up with you and then just like left it there so either the show is like extremely fake or that is like the most evil thing that you can possibly do to yeah it's i Part of it, at the very least, is fake. the The realest that I would allow that show to be is that the, it's like Jerry Springer, where like it'll be a real couple or real friends, and they both just agreed that they would go on the show and like you know pretend like to be, play it up, yeah, pretend yeah. to be mad at each other. The show, pro- if those tattoos are real, which I don't know if they are, they could be fake. If they are, that show is going to pay for a cover up. Yeah, no, it has to because They're, like yeah, that, like if you just look at like. This is like one of the first tattoos that like shows up on there. Like if you just Google oh, how far wow. is tattoo far, and it's just like trash. It's that a it's a bad show. On there. It's co-hosted by Snooki. Yeah, that tells me about. Let me, let all me that see you if I can know. try to describe to the listeners what I'm looking at. I, I didn't even know what to say. It looks like a person shitting something that says toxic waste zone. Somebody in a bikini, but it hardly even looks like a human. It looks yeah, like it looks a like, almost like a, like a lizard cone, person. Yeah, like yeah. a cone head type. Of, <laughs> it's very disturbing. It's it's an also there's a coronavirus. Show. Is that a coronavirus tattoo? What the hell is that? Oh no, it kind of looked like the. <laughs> it's like a yarn Did, ball. Was how far is tattoo far? The first instance of COVID nineteen reaching the country. Well, should people watch this show or not? Um. Is it, it still watchable? If you like to watch like a shitty reality show, because okay. it's that. It's sexist. It's it's stupid. But on, it's, it's the only competition tattoo show that there is. On Netflix. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I am seeing it is all available on the Paramount Network. Yes. And we will find that where <laughs> it's like that's just saying it's on TV. Yeah. 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 So if with uh, well, if you have in. Hulu with live TV, then you could probably watch it on demand. But How many listeners do you think we have that have TV like cable? None. Yeah. Uh, well, one, because I listen to all of our episodes because I like to hear myself talk. All right. Well, <laughs> let's hear yourself talk about. We're going to talk about the other, well, I'm going to talk about the other big movie that was released at home on Christmas, and that is Wonder Woman 1984. Um, 
this movie apparently it we did were gonna really do an well. episode about this and then the reviews and then came the reviews out. came out and the reviews have been horrendous for this movie and it is actually like doing pretty well it got a shit ton of people signing up on hbo max is the going to be the biggest success at the movie theaters this year which is kind of confounding but please stay safe um i put this on here because i mostly want to say that i think that uh twitter and letterbox heads out there need to uh calm the fuck down about this movie um this movie's fine like it's not awful it's not the worst superhero movie ever like people are making out to be it's probably and this is more indictment on dc than it is anything else it's probably like the third best dc movie behind the first wonder woman and shazam i mean it's better than justice league it's better than bvs it's better than any of that shit so it's it's a fine movie it's mediocre i'd probably put it if we're talking superhero terms in the same category as like ant-man the wasp or like Captain Marvel. It's like a C-list Marvel movie grade is kind of what it gets. And similar to the first Wonder Woman, it is a really fun time when it's just Gal Gadot and Chris Pine just kind of talking and being charming. Like that is where the first Wonder Woman excels and it really starts to fall apart whenever it gets into superhero-ness, whenever the third act comes around and they have to fight a who is it Ares? Is that who they have to fight in the first Wonder Woman? Yes. I know you just saw it. Yes, um, I rewatched it. Yeah. David Thewlis. Whenever that happens, like it's just it's a mess, both from a story perspective and visually. It's just it looks disgusting. And that's kind of how Wonder Woman 1984 is. I think that a big reason for this criticism is I think a lot of it is due to the fact that people are watching this from home and this is kind of an indictment on why superhero movies do not work as well at home as they do in the theater. Any kind of big spectacle movie, you're not going to get the same feeling of being in a packed crowd and seeing on a giant screen with the huge Dolby surround sound, all that you're missing all that from your house. And I think that's one thing that's taking away from it is that whenever you're at home and you can look down at your phone a little bit more, you can kind of pick up exactly where the movie is going and you can follow all the MacGuffins and figure out everything that's going on. And you're not swept up in it. Because yeah. in the theater, like that's all you're looking at. That's all that's in front of you. So a lot of the you know, the 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 faults of the movie can be less noticeable than they are when you're in the it, it, just in your living room. Yeah. And I mean I will say this movie is way too fucking long. It's two and a half hours. There's absolutely no reason for this movie to be two and a half hours. It should be an hour 45. Like there's no reason for that whatsoever. They add in, there's like a subplot about um, minor spoilers for Wonder Woman 84. If you haven't seen it, it's fine. I wouldn't really say I recommend it, but it's not the abomination that people are making out to be online. There's a plot. The main plot mechanic of this movie is that Pedro Pascal, uh, Mando, uh, comes upon a stone that it's a monkey paw situation where it'll grant you one wish, but it'll take something from you. And he becomes the stone. So, like, he can grant people's wishes, but he takes all these things from them as he amasses power and wealth and everything else. Um, 
and it leads to like a Middle Eastern conflict, uh, which is like heightened, like right in like mm. Reagan era America. That's kind of shaky and doesn't really go anywhere. But I mean, who cares? At the end of the day, it's it's a superhero movie. Like I, I wasn't getting going online and blogging about how like the Avengers destroyed Siberia in Age of Ultron. I've I've heard that like this is one of the biggest flaws of the movie because of the fact that Gal Gadot was a, a soldier in the Israeli army. And so it's like the heavy implication of having somebody like that lead your movie when the imagery in the movie is so close to what the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians right now and have been doing for years and decades um it's just like not a great look i haven't seen the i haven't seen the not a coincidence it's not a good look and i mean i'm not going to defend gal gadot as a person she is a uh, horrible human being um but but i think i mean if it's not a coincidence then that means that like gal gadot has a lot of pull and a lot of power no well it's not like explicitly just anti like palestinian but these this is the messaging in like most superhero movies is an american goes over to where the brown people are and saves them yeah, right from course. other brown yeah, people that's not like unique to this movie yeah this is way. like it's there look these at movies the are first all fucking, iron man <laughs> like that's these movies yeah. are war propaganda yeah. Like, yeah they suck shit i'm not gonna watch it it's yeah i mean like i said the best part of the movie like i think that it actually starts really strong there's back-to-back set pieces uh in the movie to like start it off that takes up like 20 like it, they're extended set pieces and they look beautiful like they looked great and i was like okay like i'm i'm in on this movie i'm gonna give this movie a legitimate shot i'm gonna block out all the noise of everything i've heard online and i had a fun time during those set pieces i had a fun time for most of the first half of the movie uh kristen wig is in here she is really charming and i like her a lot until uh i don't with her character and a certain twist with her character goes. Um, she becomes Skimble Shanks the Railway Cat. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Chris Pine is great, just like he is in the first Wonder Woman movie. Don't interrogate the plot mechanics of how he's alive uh, because he died in World he War One. He exploded um, and then he gets wished back to life, which is just kind of a whole can of worms that i don't really care to unpack it's superhero logic again it doesn't really bother me um yeah it's a fine movie like i just i gave it like three stars it's like a two and a half to three stars on Lairbox. i saw it once it's okay it's pretty mediocre and i'm not going to watch it again but that's it all i'm right. glad we didn't devote an entire episode to that i will say there you go uh all right so before we get to soul i want to talk real quick about the Bee Gees. You ever heard of the Bee Gees? Have I ever heard of the Bee Gees? <laughs> you should be podcasting. You should be podcasting. Oh, now I know we, who you're talking we, about. We, you remember? We, we bought a mic. We bought a mic. Remember the um, Justin Timberlake, Jimmy Fallon bit? That's like that. That is like one of my defining uh, thoughts when I think of the Bee Gees. Yeah. Loving it up at the Barry Gibb talk show. Yeah. Talking about issues. Talking about and the night. Living it up. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's a great bit. Yeah, those those uh, sketches rocked. 
they were they were very good. The it's one of those sketches where it's like they're singing and it's great, and then they're not, and then it's like, can you just get back to the singing because that was funny? And then Barry, they do. Barry, Barry, Barry. Talk to your brother. <laughs> uh, but the other the other connection I have to the BGS is uh, my my parents were really into them growing up, especially my mom, and she used to play their live album one night only a lot uh in the car at home it was just kind of on repeat and i'm sure that she grew up when she was a little girl listening to the bgs um on vinyl and had a lot of the records so there is like this like nostalgic quality that i have to the to the bgs um that i feel like a lot of other people don't have so but the the thing is, is I I had never seen the movie Saturday Night Fever, and um, I watched it this week for the first time. Lee had seen it before, and she was like, "Oh, you haven't seen this before? You got to check it out." A movie that rocked the world when it came out, mm-hmm. absolute sensation. Yeah, uh, John Travolta, um, just tearing up the dance floor in this movie. Like, that's what made him a star. Uh, directed by John Badham. The movie is, like, fine. It's, like, there's some really good stuff in it. Like, it gets pretty dark. Digs into, like, drug abuse and, you know, misogynism a little bit and and toxic masculinity. Um, there's good shots. There's some good dancing. But overall, it's, like, you're there for the music and the dancing and that kind of thing. Um, so I'd recommend checking it out just to just as like a cultural artifact of like how much of a phenomenon this movie was yeah. when it was released. And 1977. You, can, uh, you can appreciate the sequence in airplane a little more. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can you can appreciate John Travolta like we don't know because we weren't alive, like how f- big of a deal this oh, was yeah. like people were all about this shit. And and the Bee Gees they owe a lot of their success to this movie like they this the soundtrack for this movie skyrocketed their 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 sales and their fame and all of that um so it was just this this huge cultural phenomenon and i just i'd never gone around to it uh john travolta was nominated for best actor for the for his role <laughs> which is insane um so it's it's a good watch i recommend it I I um I found a lot of parallels to Boogie Nights, and I could tell that like Paul Thomas Anderson must have watched this a lot. Just oh, the yeah. look, the feel mm-hmm. of it, the overall vibe, the the fact that Boogie Nights is so rooted in like drugs, and it it sort of takes place in this same time period. It kind of had that same sort of texture to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. And then I started to kind of listen to the Bee Gees a little bit and, and play these songs a little bit and listen to the soundtrack. And then I realized that a new documentary just dropped on HBO called Bee Gees, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Mm. HBO original documentary um, directed by Frank Marshall, I believe. Um, and it is really well done. I think you get more out of it um if you have a connection to the Bee Gees, like if if you have that nostalgic little tinge mm-hmm. for their music um 
if you're not into the the music, you know, you're not going to get that much out of the the documentary, but it's still a well-told story. Like if this is your first avenue into the story of the Bee Gees and their music, they do a good job of like bringing you into the fold and like explaining how they came about and 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 how their the trajectory of their career progressed. Um and I just I just had a blast. I thought it was a really well-made documentary. Uh, it basically tells like the entire story of their career and 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 making all their albums and 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 working on all these songs that I just have like such a nostalgic attachment to. And it's ultimately a kind of tragic, melancholy tale because uh, not only are like most of the members dead now, Barry Gibb is the only one who's alive. So there's kind of that whole thing hanging over it, but they were part of the fall of disco in a really like sad way. And it wasn't even their fault. They just kind of cut, got like caught up in it. There was this, uh, this radio DJ in Chicago who used to like go on TV and obviously on the radio and make these like really loud, obnoxious claims about like how disco sucks. He made these t-shirts that said disco sucks and he used to wear an army helmet and he used to like smash disco records on his helmet. And he just made this big show about how like the Bee Gees were emblematic of disco and how we needed to like destroy their albums. And, and yeah, it was like this big thing. And, and the Bee Gees, the thing about them is like, they weren't really disco like they they started to angle their sound a little bit towards disco during the Saturday Night Fever era. But their music is like full of of like these slower ballads early on and more like poppier stuff. And then later on, they started to, you know, branch out and, and experiment into other other sounds, other more like electronic dancey stuff. But the thing about the 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 anti disco movement is that it was an it was an anti women and anti gay movement and mm-hmm. yeah and racist and yeah. yes yeah, exactly that was yeah. the other thing is Widely that racist is that the this guy this DJ he organized this event at a Chicago baseball game on the White Sox field to like get people to to bring a bunch of records to destroy during halftime. And it got out of hand. It turned into a riot and they had to cancel the rest of the game. And they interview this guy in the documentary talking about how he was there and he noticed that a lot of the records that people were bringing, first of all, most of these people, white, uh, a lot of the records that these people were bringing to, to destroy at this thing were not disco records. They were soul and R&B yeah. records. Black music. Yeah. And this is what was happening during this time, this really explosive um, anti-cultural uh, movement to this very specific music that didn't really have that much to do with it. Disco just became the catalyst for it because it, it kind of started to balloon a little bit. It just got really, really big and really, really popular. Mm. Um, and there was just like this really adversive reaction to it and the Beatles got so caught up in it or sorry, the Bee Gees got so caught up in it that they, um, they were like fearing for their lives a little bit. They had to get like security on them and like a little secret service and 
they had to pump the brakes on their touring and the output of their music because it, it was just such a heated negative push against disco and in turn against the Bee Gees that um, it really affected them. And they had to like kind of go, go into hiding of sorts. Uh, so that was, that was like a big surprise for me. I didn't know like all of that stuff. I just knew the music. I just knew the songs. Um, <laughs> so I really recommend the documentary if you want kind of like those like historical context of a lot of these songs and a lot of this music. Um, and I, I really believe that like the Bee Gees are a little bit of like an underrated, like unsung great classic band. They get a bad rap, you know? And I know that like the hyper falsetto is like, you know, you it's, it's not everybody's into it. I get mm-hmm. it. But I love them. I think they're great. You sold me on this. I really want to watch this doc. I've actually I've never seen Saturday Night Fever either. So I recommend watching it. I I don't think it's a it's uh, a great movie. But what did you watch it on? It is on Hulu with stars. I believe. Yeah, and then the doc is on HBO. Uh, and and I it got me to start listening to the music again. Uh, they have some banger tracks. They Mm -hmm. they've like written a bunch of really great songs. Like they wrote Islands in the Stream. They wrote Guilty by Barbara Streisand. Like they just, they've just always been there, just just knocking it out of the park. I mean, the Bee Gees and uh, and John Travolta had like a wild seventy seven to seventy eight run because the Bee Gees are also helped do some of the music in Greece. Yes, along with John Travolta in there. So big glow up at the end of the seventies for them, for both of them. When I started uh, diving back into. Um, bgs i put on that live album that i mentioned that my mom was really into one night only that's a great album if you're gonna listen to any bgs just look up one night only their live album from 1998 fucking banger does, album does bgs stand for barry gibbs like the the I'm barry say yes the barry gibbs yes Wow, absolutely cocked those other brothers are. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing about about this documentary. It's like just seeing these guys' faces, you're like, huh, who looks like that? What's <laughs> that up with their hair, faces? man. I miss that hair. Yeah, the 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 teeth and the Oh yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a lot, but it works, you know. <laughs> it works. It's funny, you know. We enjoyed it. We had a great time. Um Let's soul. get to our review of Pixar's Soul. Wait, pick. Oh, I watched all the Kia Soul commercials with the hamsters in succession. Mm. Um, well, oh, how Pete, was that? Pete Doctor directed all of this. You know? Yeah. Um, it all. It, it's really life affirming to watch. You know, mm-hmm. those hamsters mm-hmm. at a certain point, they don't think that they ha- like. They think it all. Their whole life has to be about driving a Kia Soul. Um, and by the end they realize, no, it just has to be, sometimes you just got to enjoy just dancing, break dancing, uh, on the street next to a Kia Soul, for example. How, how, I would be fucking terrified if I saw a hamster that big. I would kill myself. Yeah. I would honestly, <laughs> I, would, just I would just, kill I would just yourself. kill myself. I would just <laughs> drive I mean, I don't off want, I don't want to be alive in this world anymore. Like wow. that, it would be the most terrifying shit ever. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, what I always imagine that they, the Kia Souls are just small mm. in those commercials. So, which if I saw a small Kia Soul, I would kill myself <laughs> like immediately. 
You I can't have that. I thought somebody tried to tell me that there was like these tiny remote controlled cars. Mm. And I told them that if you ever bring one of those cars in front of me, I will kill myself in front of you yeah. and your child. Yeah. And if and if they don't, uh, you'll also kill yourself in front of them. Yeah. 2020 has been rough, guys. Yeah. Soul is a Pixar movie that was released on Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, it is Day? now. Yeah. It is now a, a Disney Plus original film. Yeah. A, a deep, 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 a deep puff, <laughs> deep puff or deep palm. I, yeah. I like, I like yeah, puff. Because <laughs> it can't it can be too close to decom. Yeah, it's a depuff. It uh it was supposed to come out back in June, then the pandemic pushed it to November, and then they were like, fuck it, we're just gonna put this thing on the ploose. And now we're here and we saw it. It's from Pete Doctor, uh, who also made Monsters Inc. Um Inside Out. And I'm Up. missing one. Up, oh, that's the other one. He also uh, wrote Wally. He has a writing credit on Toy Story. Yeah, uh, part of the the Pixar house of of um, of white dudes with really big heads. <laughs> yeah, this guy's head is like big. I'll, like I'll say things about like director head how they all just have massive craniums. Pixar directors yeah, have the biggest Brad Bird's head <laughs> massive. It's unbelievable. But, but the thing is, Brad Bear, Brad Bird has hair. This yeah. guy, Doctor, has no hair, so it's like it's more pronounced. And he also, it's it's like a narrow head, but it's like the tall head. It, yeah. He looks like a cartoon in a Pixar movie. He yeah. does like people don't look like this. <laughs> yeah, Brad Bird, meanwhile, looks like um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like Chad older brother. He does he totally? <laughs> yeah, fuck like him. Philip he Seymour like Hoffman's that. older brother, who was the quarterback and like is now yeah, just like a businessman. Like, he's like nicer and softer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Soul is uh, didn't get addicted to heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Soul is a good movie, Um, starring Jamie Fox uh, as Soul. What? What? (laughs) True. (laughs) True. Have you seen this movie? I'm starting to think that you have. No, I like I like the bit of like being the one who tries to keep it on track, but just keeping getting everything wrong. His his name is Joe Gardner, Um, and then the other co lead in this movie is Tina Fey, who I think does a lovely job. So. So I want to keep our spoiler free thoughts brief because I didn't know anything about this movie. Yep, same. I did like, not see any trailers. Or I didn't know the premise this. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, so we we could we could save the bulk of the discussion for spoilers. But I, I want to be very, very vague in case people haven't gotten around to seeing it, um, because I love discovering what this movie even was about. I had no idea what it was about. Um, all I knew was that Pixar made a movie that was like about jazz kind of and about like having a soul. And that's kind of all I knew. And I loved it. I thought it was so, so good. I think that there is like one thing that is like a massive, massive flaw in the movie that we'll get to and spoilers that brings it down. But it doesn't like ruin it because it's fucking pixar and they still manage to tell an incredibly captivating and just deep and thoughtful layered thematic story and it looks gorgeous hashtag visually stunning yeah it's, certified it's, I, the wabami nominations haven't been released yet but this will be a finalist for the of course the coveted top prize the honestly visually it, it's stunning crazy award. when when we were like uh, just so head over heels about how Toy Story 4 looked 
And there are scenes in this movie that are just like miles above of that. I, I still Lovely. think I, I still think Toy Story 4 looks incredible, but they are doing unreal shit with how they make things look in the animation world in this movie. Yeah, I mean, this movie is like because they're different because Toy Story 4 is like breaking the grounds for what photorealism is in the Pixar world and soul is exploding the idea of realism and saying that we can go, we can take stuff that has these lifelike qualities to it and also apply just the most abstract wild visuals that you have ever seen in your life. Um, I think this movie is like a masterpiece. Like I think that I personally, I haven't revisited inside out in a long time, but I think that this is probably the best Pixar movie since the Ratatouille Wally days in the wow. last 10 years. I this movie, I know I think I know what flaw you are talking about in this movie, Ernest. Um, but overall, this movie just floored me. Um, it's so well me done. and my girlfriend uh, like ugly sobbed for several minutes i started sobbing like five minutes into the yeah movie. early into like, the oh, movie shit. and then it kind of it it didn't kick back up again until later on and i'll talk about that whenever we get into spoilers but i think this is amazing right after i saw this movie i messaged a group chat that we're in and i told you guys i think that pete doctor is the greatest director working under the disney umbrella i think he's better than john favreau he's better than any of these guys who are trying to run their own franchises under Disney, I think that Pete Brad, Doctor, Brad Bird is my guy. But Brad Bird kind of dips in and out a yeah. little bit. Like yeah. Pete Doctor is like a Disney guy through and through. He only ever makes stuff for Disney. And everything that he makes is just a fucking banger. Like I just, I absolutely, absolutely love this movie. Drew? It's very good. Um, I definitely have a couple problems with the movie, but that didn't take away from raw enjoyment, if that makes sense. Like, uh, there are things that I was consciously aware were bugging me while watching it. And yet I it sounds stupid because I am the last person to give credit to a company like Disney. But it makes me this is <laughs> Pixar is almost becoming like their indie division. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like, in terms of like creativity yeah in terms yeah like in terms just of just like thinking yeah way like i it's hard like we can't take for granted how abstract this movie is um how how experimental it is how it it's very much this isn't necessarily a critique but this is i think the pixar movie that is the least for children of oh, any of yeah, them yeah no i want to like ask like a four-year-old like do you like soul <laughs> and they would say i like the pretty shapes and the they'll beginning. be like i like the cat yeah and yeah, like they, i don't they, yeah they'd like like the funny things in the beginning the ideas in this movie it's are so not heavy are not something that a child could understand well, yeah because it's also not a moral that you could get until you become world weary whereas uh, in a movie like Inside Out, which has a lot of you know similar DNA, is w much more of an allegory for children yes. to learn, like you know how to uh, approach emotions and life moving forward. This is more of like a hey, you've already been beaten down by the world, <laughs> like, and this is like this is how to get your mojo back. Yeah, the, um, this this is a movie for for adults. I think that I think that there is a 
young, like an older child that would definitely connect to this message. Maybe that like is a 13, 14 exactly. year old. Yeah, I would have liked yeah. this when I was 13. Yes, yeah, thinking about like what they're going to do with their life and like what type of things are going to define their life. Because this is this movie is essentially about like the what is the purpose of life. And I think that like if you're just of a certain young age, you're just going to be like, oh, it looks nice. It looks pretty and I'm happy looking yeah, at the pretty a, colors. There's funny stuff in there. Yeah. I, I have in one of my notes is that Pete Doctor found a way to make a Disney Charlie Kaufman movie. <laughs> because of how existential it's sad. It doesn't get as dour as a Charlie Kaufman movie, but of just trying to explore allegory in the most metaphysical and existential right. yes. way. In that way, yes. It does. It gets very surreal. It, it it has just a lot of fun. Like you, one thing that gets lost in the conversation about Pixar movies is most of them like have very like solid humor, uh, and this this has like solid laughs in it throughout. Um, this movie more than uh, I think any of Pete Doctor's other movies utilizes cut uh, cutaways, mm-hmm. like like you know Brooklyn Nine Nine like yeah. style, like you know Family Guy style flashbacks. Inside Out did that a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, this, this one does it a good amount and most of them land for me in terms mm-hmm. of just like, you know, raw, like, does this make me like, uh, breathe air out of my nose fast? <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not like cracking up in my fucking Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't weird. like that. Yeah. Um, I will say. How often do you audibly laugh out loud when you're alone at your house? Yeah, that's though? what I just said, that's, Hunter. That's I don't. I, that's psychotic. I don't think I like this more than Inside Out. And I definitely don't like this more than Monsters, Inc. Um, but, but I do think I would put it over up. I, I would have to revisit up to mm. see how it stacks up. Um, but up's, Well, up's another one that when I, I watched it at a younger age and it didn't connect with me at all. Yeah, that movie's about like being old, it's old a, as fuck. It's about being really old or about being four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was like, what, 14? Yeah. I was like, where am I here? Like, who is me on the screen right now? Yeah. We forget how amazing Monsters, Inc. is, though. No, no. I rewatch like, Monsters, Inc. regularly. It is a knockout oh, fucking amazing Absolute film. banger. Sully's hair still looks incredible. Uh, we weren't quite there with how to light uh, certain creatures, but I who cares? It's who fine. Cares? It's fine. Monsters, Inc. is a banger. And also, it's Monsters, Inc. is a it's probably a better Pixar movie in that there are some really big ideas in Monsters, Inc., but also it's very based for children. Like, I saw that movie when I was six, and I fucking loved it, and I saw the movie now when I'm 25, and I still love it for ultimately kind of the same reasons. Yeah, it's, um, well, it's well done. Really awesome voice cast in this movie. Yes. Um, yeah, so many guys. My favorite performance is actually by Richard Iwade. Yeah. Who is, who is like one of the funnier dudes like alive. He has, you know, he has an extensive back catalog of British shit mm. that, you know, you're supposed to get into. IT crowd. Yeah. But no, beyond that, like he's Her done, crew. he's done some real, he's done like a show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place that he like wrote. And it's like apparently just like immensely good. He also um, he wrote the movie uh, Submarine, which is a very British movie, but oh, also yeah. featuring all the music from Alex Turner of it, Arctic Monkeys. Is he New Zealander though? 
because he sounds new he has a new zealander accent yeah he, um, he sounded like jermaine clement like i thought it was jermaine clement for a second yeah he sounds like a more nasally jermaine uh, no he was born in england wow he it's Grew such up in a Suffolk. Uh, the, just a really really cool collection of accents in this because graham norton's in here who's irish dude he's actually one of my favorites yeah, late late <laughs> late night uh talk show host in britain a much better late night talk show than we have great character but yeah he's a great character the two leads are awesome um it's it's a role that you would i guess this guy's younger and that's why it wouldn't go to sam jackson but you almost just assume it does because Sam Jackson works more than any person in Hollywood. Like he yeah. just eats up. He has like 20 roles a year, especially um, from Disney. I'll be honest. I did not know that Jamie Foxx was the voice. Like I did not recognize his voice immediately because he doesn't. He does do a little bit of a voice. He does a little bit more of like an older man kind of voice. And I didn't pick up on it first. Tina Fey, I picked up on immediately. But she, yeah, she's really, really funny. And her character, I mean, her character is a comic relief character. It is. Uh, if you're going to pick a surrogate character for children to grab onto, she voices it and she's very, very good, despite the fact that she's not a child. Um, she shares a lot in common with children in terms of experiencing uh, the world for the first time. <laughs> David Diggs is also in there. Yeah, David Diggs, Felicia um, Rashad. All of all of the Jerry's and Terry's are just yeah. rad. And uh, the Angela Bassett is in here. Yes, yeah. Angela Bassett. David Diggs. Did you say? Yeah. 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 I, I have so many thoughts about tina fey but i really want him to be in spoilers so any final thoughts before we jump to spoilers um this movie is on disney plus go watch this movie it's it's uh, one of the best movies of the year easily yeah, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt um okay let's get to spoilers for soul starting right now Okay, so we got to talk about the premise of the movie, like what it's about. But I'll just clear it up and say that uh, Jamie Foxx dies in like the first like 15 minutes of the first 10 minutes. The first five minutes before the soul title card hits. Yes, yes. He dies. I had no idea. Like Me again, either. not seeing any kind of the, not reading anything about, it, not watching a. It's a movie about anything. the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, I probably like, should have known that. I had no idea that that's what that was about, and that was really cool to find out. And then he meets Tina Fey, and essentially the the first third of the movie is like setting up this this yeah this world. It's really strangely structured film because of that, because there's so much table setting that isn't even taking place where the movie starts. So like your your initial setting is has to be thrown out for yeah. a new setting, which is a great initial setting. Like that's yeah. what I was talking about. Like me tearing up. I was like when he is connecting with his student and playing the trombone and oh, he's on yeah. the piano. Like yeah. By the, the way, rhythm. I was like, this is fucking incredible. Uh, I know we're gonna give tons of love to Reznor and Ross, but the jazz portion oh. of this movie was not handled by them. Yeah. Um, no. Shout out to John, John Batiste. Yeah. Uh, who the leader of the Stephen Colbert. Um. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. woefully Knocks mis- it out of miscast in that role as Stephen Colbert. Yeah, I know. He, makes I no want sense. More. But he's a fucking killer on the on every instrument, but the piano especially. He's a virtuoso. It's. I mean, I think that another reason why talking about the structure of this movie, like whenever you so think about like the last great. I forgot that this is also a Pixar movie, but think the last great Pixar movie which was Coco. Like it's all leading up to a death at the end of the film because that's the logical flow that most movies follow. But I think that just because 
we have a death so right up at the beginning and then we're establishing who these characters are it does kind of it took me a second to kind of like figure out what this world was and i don't mean that in like a negative way because i was all in like especially it is a little jarring it is it's jarring but it's purposefully jarring just the when you think about the animation shift from we have um what's uh joe just like kind of walking around the world looks great he's in new york it looks beautiful he has a funny head yeah falls through the (laughs) hole and talk about like people shouldn't look that way (laughs) and and it's the juxtaposition of the animation styles and the music that works so well in this movie that we have john batiste nice piano playing it's so gorgeous Mm -hmm. and beautiful and we have the classic pixar look he falls through a hole and suddenly it's just blackness and just like this one stairway leading up to this ominous light. And then the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross score kicks in. And it's so it's well really done. Good. Yeah, very electronic, mm-hmm. but not like the what they did for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's yeah, like no, jagged it's and It's much gross. more Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. And it almost threw me because I, I've heard that soundtrack a million times. Yeah, you but know, it's like it's like major key. It's like kind of happy yeah, sounding. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just very ambient and it like hypnotizes yeah. you in that same way. And I I recommend uh, um, watching this movie or, or maybe just popping in the soundtrack with headphones on or with a nice subwoofer sound system oh, because yeah. there is a, some low end on these uh, Reznor and Ross tracks that just are booming, booming. Um, so, the, by the way, the one moment where he like falls through the darkness when yeah. he's trying to run away from the blinding light of the the great um, after or whatever they call it, yeah, it goes like full, just abstract, trippy shit. That was amazing. That that rules. There's a lot of really just killer animation. Um, I, I am going to say though, that I think that the movie suffers from sort of lopsided character design. And I think it's, there's a reason behind it, but it's what we were saying earlier about how they, they have to appeal to like the lowest age. Exactly. The way that the souls look is to me, no different from like the ugly doll movie. (laughs) Like they don't look any different than a character in every other kid's movie, which is a bummer because you know that if they were just really making what they wanted, they would look better than that. Yeah. But they, you know, it's focus groups. Exactly. Like they have something has to be for little kids. Right. Exactly. So these are just like like circles that are blue. Yeah, I can I can forgive that because it's um, like oh that's cute. Yeah, like, it just fine. it just bums me out because then when you compare them to the Jerry's, which have some of the coolest design I've ever that's seen. So yes. Um, oh my god, when we get introduced to her and she's like. I'm the amalgamation of of all concentric circles of reality, yeah, yeah. but I'm just presented to you in a way your feeble human brain can comprehend. <laughs> yeah, which is a Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looked like uh, what are the characters in Legend of Korra? The um, the yes, like, the Vatu and stuff yes. like that's almost like the vibe that they put off. Dude, okay, there are some there are some heavy avatar vibes in this movie because yeah. then we go to like the zone of so of lost zo- souls mm-hmm. and so essentially like people are in the zone like when you're playing an instrument or you're like playing a sport or something and you're in the zone we see the zone that we're in um and then <laughs> Then there's these lost souls. Yeah, these, these like creeps. dark monsters. And all I could think about during this was like, 
look at all those pop culture podcasters. <laughs> yeah, just dark monsters. It's, yeah, because that's the definition the hole that is, I get uh, into every podcast. Yeah, their definition is people who become obsessed with an idea that disconnects them from reality. I mean, hello, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one's listening. So, what's funny about this movie? Well, I guess one thing about this movie that I did appreciate is that it doesn't ever like. And this is a credit for most good Pixar movies is that it doesn't ever get too bogged down in the weightiness, especially for how heavy this movie is. There's still plenty of humor in this movie. Like while they're in the zone of lost souls, there's an incredible Nick's joke that I just, Oh my God, that worked <laughs> that, that so thing. well. It was like, I, that I actually did kind of, have no, like that a was like a real, like moment. I laughed really hard. I was like, Oh, I did not expect that stray. It's such, for the Knicks. Holy yeah, shit. It's such just like a stray, just out of yeah, nowhere. I mean, that's an example of a great cutaway. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it was essentially, even though it's like linearly just like, yeah, story, I've been like, picking on this team for years yeah. and then just throw a ball. I thought that I rocks. thought it was going to be like whoever the Harlem Globetrotters play the Washington <laughs> general. Yeah, I thought that I thought I was like, oh, OK, here we go. <laughs> Because all the other cutaway jokes were like basically that, like to all the historical figures. Yeah. There was, and then uh, it was the Knicks. I was like, oh, well, shit. First of all, <laughs> children don't know who the, the <laughs> Washington. Yeah. Do the Harlem Globetrotters, are they still a thing? I don't know. Um, yeah, they'll always be a thing. I guess so. There, there's there's a, an institution. I was reading that there was a joke cut out during a, like one of those types of cutaways was cut out, which is it's when one of the Jerry's is. Uh, Telling him, oh, yeah, the uh, the count hasn't been off in centuries. And they were going to cut to Rasputin be- because he couldn't die. And they realized that uh, this is already way too much for adults. Yeah, like they couldn't <laughs> like, they could like, have a Rasputin can't. joke in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that all works really, really well. well I, then, then it's where we meet um, Graham Norton. Mm-hmm. Who is Moonwind? He plays Moonwind, who is a science spinner. It. Which went, an, again, the cutaway to finding out he's a science <laughs> spinner is another. That was another big laugh that's, I had actually, yeah. because that's fucking hilarious. Because um, those guys be vibing. As, as a former <laughs> science spinner for like one day. I, yeah, I did it twice, and I was like, "This sucks." Did you enter like another plane of existence? <laughs> yeah, or, I did. Um, this movie, disassociated from my body. I feel like this movie is going to make conservatives angry. This movie like affirms spiritualism. Yes, this movie yeah. is about how meditation is real. Yeah. And well, that's does what I was connect you with everything. That's what I was getting at with the Avatar overlap, like. It's the Avatar state. Yeah, it's, it's the, going in the spirit yeah. world. It's, yeah, it's, so, <laughs> it's so insanely spiritual uh, without even you know a whisper of Christianity that it's it's really mind boggling. Uh, again, Which I love. I'm surprised there hasn't well, yeah. been like a Fox News. Segment That's what I'm yet. saying. Like this man Pete Doctor has pulled because Disney does doesn't want to ruffle any feathers, and this movie is telling is showing you what the afterlife and before life look like. They the one thing that you could give it is that they don't actually show you the full afterlife. Yeah, they, they don't show you. They, like yeah, because God and it is an ascent to yes. a to a bright place. Yes. So like Christians could hold on to that yeah. notion, but. <laughs> They like the pre-life stuff. I was like, wow, they're really explaining a lot of stuff that could make people mad. It's it's a lot like they cram a lot of exposition into the first 30 minutes of this. So much. And it's like I know they have to do it because this is the most kind of like out there, uh, you know, sort of abstract world building that Pixar has ever done. I don't. I can't think of anything else that requires this much level yeah, of heavy lifting. Yeah, because it's more than Inside Out. Uh, of course, of course. Um, so you you do have to do it, but 
I did feel like you were saying earlier, like it is a little jarring where you're just like, oh shit, like we're doing a lot right now. But once, once that job is done, like once you're past that, like it pays off because then the rest of the movie can happen and you know, your the rules yeah. are established and you don't need to mess with that anymore. But I mean, even while we are in that time where it, it is just like mass and like every line is almost exposition. I still was never taken out of the movie because one, it looks gorgeous. And two, like it's still entertaining. Like when they enter in the hallway, the hall of everything and stuff like that to like find what your passion is and stuff like that. Like I still thought all that stuff was really cool. Like looking around, it's just like, Oh yeah, there's like people cooking and people playing a sport. And I did think it was, it, it was going by a little too fast. I did too. I was like, wait, wait, what's happening? I thought, I thought the whole movie went by too fast and that's because the movie's really good. And, and I was like, why couldn't this be two hours? Yeah. Why is it an hour and a half? The credits I, are 15 minutes. I of this thought, movie. I thought the exact same thing. Like this is a 90 minute movie and it's so fucking heady. Especially yeah. that's crazy. Especially towards the end where we're back on earth and he's at, at the actual jazz concert. I was like, can we just like take a second and just be yeah, here for like exactly. 30 minutes? Like, yeah, I wanted to just like spend more it, time in the world. Yeah. And, well, and also uh, the meat of the movie, what you would call in a traditional movie, the meat of it, like the fun and games portion. It's a body switch. Yeah, it's, it's a body switch. He's a cat. She's him. She's never yeah. been a human. Um, I could have spent an hour with just that. Yeah. And we get maybe a half hour. So this is this is the big flaw for me. Is it is it the Tina Fey taking over a black seeing body seeing tina face come out of a black man a uh, tina face voice come out of a black man <laughs> that bug was you? extremely weird and it almost like ruined the movie wow for me. that that so didn't even really track with me so it's funny because i've seen that take a lot of people say that online and a lot of like it kind was of rough twitter culture has kind of come after it because Tina Fey uh, has had to have certain episodes of 30 Rock removed from Peacock because uh, she did blackface and stuff I mean, like that. I don't even, I don't even take it to that in its own right. No, but I people, don't even take it to that point. It's not like, about her. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just saying like that I've saw and then people were talking about like this is the first time that you're having a black person and be the lead of a Pixar movie and you have to have a middle-aged you, you, white you make him into a over. fucking cat for half the movie. Like, come on. I don't know. That didn't. But Do you see, want like? Is that not fun though? Like, I had a fun time while watching it, it. Is is it fixed if they're both white? Yes. Uh, no one's having this discussion. Or if they're both black. <sighs> yeah. Is it fixed if Tina Fey is instead? Uh, I do know. Black woman. Well, yeah. it, the 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 movie the movie is so good because it is about the 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 black communities like uh, jazz influence, like how mm-hmm. how black people are like so intertwined to the birth of that genre and like that their connection to that like that's Gosling. that's part of the magic of this movie and and you kind of need a black lead to sell the 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 magic of like being so in the zone and so in tune with that particular type of music it's so well done it's so well done and to have like a white woman be put into the body of that character was extremely off-putting for me. Hmm. But the movie doesn't collapse from that. Yeah. It manages to it manages to stay playful enough and fun enough and entertaining enough to not harp on that. And the way the story progresses, I think saves it because you're not 
you're I was only thinking about that for like maybe a couple minutes mm -hmm. and then I got swept up in like the rest of what yeah. the movie was was offering me. Uh, another, it was it was just it was like the the initial conceit of it of like oh no <laughs> here we fucking go with the fucking white lady talking out of the the black guy's uh character body like oof rough shit i don't i, I guess i guess it just for me i mean i understand that's a very fair criticism of this movie like that for me it just it never really bothered me i think because it is still like i was still viewing it through the lens of a cartoon and of a gag essentially which is just what this whole section of the movie is it's just an extended gag of a spirit learning how to be in a grown man's body and it's like the middle third man. of the movie yeah yeah yeah. it's just it's like an like, entire act yeah but i mean it's still like i guess i found it charming enough because the whole time like this is i mean joe is they really are a co-lead between Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey because it's really 22 story in a lot of ways as in the same way yeah, that it is Joe because yeah. it's just about finding what that spark is. What is it to be alive? And so I still enjoyed that stuff because I thought that we have – a good Joe, like the first act is just all Joe's story and the last act is Joe's story. And it's really that middle third that makes the 22 plot line land. And also it is like the best part like that. Those scenes hit hard if you know the barbershop scene was. Yeah, particularly. Awesome. Yeah, if you're that's a great like, yeah. if you're if you're looking past that, which honestly, I usually have a pretty good radar for things that people would get upset by. And this didn't strike me as something. One one really savvy move is they had the line earlier when she was like, my voice can sound like anything. This white lady voice just annoys people. Yes. <laughs> That's a very clever and line. And you know what that made me think? Because I was thinking about that. I was thinking that like they when you when you make an animated movie, you're building the entire thing from scratch. Nothing is an accident. Everything is a deliberate choice. Mm -hmm. you, it's not like oh, let's try it on, on set that day and see what kind what we can come up with. No, everything you're seeing on screen was deliberately thought about and put together to the T. Mm. So I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about that line. I was thinking like, okay, like what are they trying to go for here? And my, my, my thought process took me to the idea of like a, a white woman a lot of times um, – in our society signifies the complete opposite experience of a black man. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So to me, I was thinking like, okay, so, so what they're trying to do here is they are trying to uh, express and exemplify the, uh, and it's even, it's even communicated by one of the characters. I think it is by Joe. Um, of like walking in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Like well, what, what, if that were to actually happen, if you were, it, which is the whole idea of a body switch movie. Yeah. What is the more, the most ground that you could cover? Exactly. What is the, the, the widest gap that you could close by having that experience it's also, happen? Yeah. It's, it's all, it's like, it's also just very, uh, very simple rule of comedy is if you're making a body switch movie, the two people have to be as different as possible. Mm -hmm. They, it, it, there's no body switch movie where it's two similar guys. Yeah. <laughs> 
like they have to be opposites yeah. and then they have to learn like a we, the we three probably, of us are gonna have yeah. a body switch experience it'll yeah. just kind of be the same yeah exactly like, I mean, like we, I we won't even notice job, like but that's yeah. it yeah i'll have a nice tattoo though on my arm so okay. um no you're gonna be hunter um and i'll be and no like, we'll, why do i have all this hair all the time <laughs> You no, or you could be me and wake up with a, a tattoo and just like an unreal amount of back pain <laughs> and leg pain and knee pain. Yeah. I just have a, a a normal amount of back. I'm gonna pain like and wake up pain. and be like, why am I so passionate about the planet? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm Lee. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I still like. I really loved this section of the movie. The barbershop scene, dude, it, it rocks so hard. It, well, I mean, not only that's is it just really well done in all the dialogue and stuff, but that also kind of is the first time where we get to the main theme of this movie, which is you aren't just born with one purpose in life. Yeah, you aren't just born just with the idea of like I was born to be an actor, or I was born to be an artist, and like that's it. That is what life is: is achieving this one thing that you have. Because I don't know about you guys, but I've had moments like that before where you are like, I just it doesn't matter what I have to do in my life; I just have to get to this point, and then you get to that point, and then it's gone, and you're like. Okay, but uh, what now? Well, and sometimes your plans fall through. Like with Des, it, the whole thing was just like, this guy was born to cut hair. And he's mm-hmm. just like, no, I actually didn't really want to cut hair. This was just a fallback for me. And but now he loves good it. good at it. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, it, that entire, yeah, you're right that this is the first point of the movie in which we, like that rule is established that, I, oh, we're, we're not just trying to give 22 a revelation. We're trying to and obviously if you know movies you know that obviously you know joe is gonna have to have a revelation but we don't know that it's going to be very explicitly you don't need to hyper focus on this this movie is the exact opposite of whiplash yeah yeah kind of <laughs> it really is um like what i wrote down is this black artist playing jazz um yeah black artist playing well, jazz I realizing said, that it's not yeah like, the jazz doesn't matter i, I <laughs> well i said to my girlfriend after this uh after this movie it's like man thank god that ryan gosling saved jazz so that this movie could be made right if it wasn't for him if it wasn't for a white man then yeah she never would have had um, jazz. and the also the other thing that i wrote uh to describe this movie is inside out but the good place um, yeah. Okay. Because the initial, yeah. especially like the first act setup of, oh, I'm an imposter. I'm not supposed to like. They think that I'm this great man who deserves to be a mentor. I'm not. Um, just go with it. Yeah. That's just the good place. Um, and like all, you know, trying to figure out like how to be a good person or like you know why, why what's the point? <laughs> yeah. yeah why? <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Um, and I I love that. Like I really I love the message of the movie. Like, obviously, it's going to ring better for um, older people. Yes. If you are, like, in your 40s, getting to that near middle age, and you feel like you've been maybe coasting a little bit, this is going to hit so, so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. But all of these scenes, I thought, could have been longer. They they feel like it, it feels like like this isn't something that pixar typically does like cut things short that need like could be longer 
this could be two hours and I wouldn't give a Pixar shit. Pixar movies are never that long though. I know, but and this, it's hard to animate. But this movie's yeah. got to be two hours. Like, I it, mean, it's the same length as Inside Out. I know. It's just this movie just has so many more ideas. Yeah, to it and than something like Inside Out. Yeah, does. exactly. It's it's so much more involved. We, I don't want a villain in this movie, but like the Terry that's like chasing them or whatever, mm. we we barely see that fucking guy. Yeah, I. So that struck me as just kind of like that is an element that has to be in there because it's a kid's movie. You have to have some kind of a traditional quote unquote bad yeah. guy. And like in the end, it, like he's kind of a nothing thing. Yeah, he I'm, just I'm likes counting. I'm kind of glad that they didn't do anything with him. Like I'm fine with just what he is in the movie. He's just the accountant to make sure that the right number of bodies get into the afterlife of people that die yeah he's he's fun his his like weird his animation system. is so wild like whenever he enters the real world and it's just like this line that comes in this 3d world mm. is so fucking cool i yeah i is it okay is it fucked up that the uh the afterlife you know some of everything they're concentric circles their accountant is shaped like a rat. Oh, like Remy the rat? No. <laughs> is that the Pixar reference? Is that anti-Semitic? Oh, Yeah, get mad about Holy something else, guys. Shit. Come on. Let's get, we got to get creative with our anger here. Yeah. I don't yeah, think I don't I honestly that. don't think he looks that much like a rat. I mean, he's, he's got a pointy nose. Yeah, his character but. design is to look like a rat. Like he's unlike. He, I thought he looked rat like. Yeah, he is a rat. He's smaller than everyone. And he has a pointy nose. Disney trying to be anti-Semitic. I don't know. I'm I don't know. Saying, Walt, Walt Disney, man, look it up. I'm starting. Know, I'm starting yeah. to think they unfroze that fucker. <laughs> is Pete Doctor a pseudonym? <laughs> if you yeah, if you rearrange those letters, it actually says Walt Disney hates Jews. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just came up with that. I think that's really smart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that's something. I yeah. think you're onto it. Yeah. I think I think we should get mad. So, getting into the third act of the well, actually no, uh, getting to the first part where I actually like openly cried um, because we have like some moments that are used for humor of 22 realizing the joys of being alive, sm e smelling and eating being the pizza. Alive. Oh, well, let me tell you, I have made my girlfriend listen to being alive by Steven Sondheim about 10 times in the days following soul. Uh, just a sidebar. Cool. Um, Guy, hey, look, you must listen to Sondheim. I kept thinking about uh company, the musical, uh, while watching this, just that song. Um, I don't know any other songs from company, I'll be honest. <laughs> Anyways, um, but we have like some good moments for humor, like usually whenever 22 is eating. But the moment that really got to me is whenever like Joe's getting really excited. They're about to do switch back into their bodies and everything. And she looks up and she sees like a leaf just like falling down. And it falls into her hand. And like that was the moment where it was just like the joy, like the beauty of life and the beauty of existence, which is something that gets me because there's times whenever I'll just be like, 
walking around. It just happened like last week. I was just like walking around outside or I had to drive somewhere and just like seeing the sunset in Orlando. And I just like stopped. I like I was about to drive away and I just like stopped in my car for a second because it was just facing straight west on Colonial Mm -hmm. and just like seeing where the entire sky goes orange and purple and even like a little bit of green. And like I just sat there for like five, 10 minutes and just like enjoyed it. Yeah. And And then you got rear ended by like four different BMWs. Yeah, I did. I did. I well, I should say I was in the middle of colonial yeah. whenever the sun, I did this. the sun was blinding you you're like i don't know where i'm driving so i'm just gonna stop yeah um no yeah that is it's a beautiful thing it it adds to the psychedelia of the movie because yes the, like her because this is 22 her face as she, she's like, just tripping yeah, when balls she, well, the entire yeah, time but especially when she like you know she catches the little uh propeller thing that falls what are those what do you what did i call those when i was a kid there was like a name you called them when you were kids but like she catches it and it falls and her eyes his eyes uh that is an acid face yes <laughs> yes those when you're just like, getting huge yeah when you're just look, like looking at a leaf and you're like well, oh my god <laughs> when oh she, my god when she as him first walks out of the hospital and it's like the most just overly stimulating experience yeah. ever that's like it's hitting right yeah, and now. It, th- and I'm I know, being blasted. No, and I know this is an annoying like way to analyze a movie, but it's true. They like it mirrors psychedelia in a lot of ways because that is like yeah. it overstimulates your brain so much that you are are experiencing things in a way for the first time ever. For example, someone might show you a, a slice of pizza and you will think <laughs> and it's the greatest. Yeah, thing well, in the world. you'll just be like, "What is that? Like, what am I gonna like it if I like? I want to eat it. Should I yeah. eat it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I'm I'm eating it, and it's the greatest yeah, thing I've like, ever holy eaten shit. in my life. And then she's looking at the the subway uh performer and it's like just just a regular subway performer but mm-hmm. to her it's like the greatest yeah concert yeah. she's ever yeah it's seen. like the first time that she's just heard like raw music being played yeah and that's why like the the body switch to this which it, like i'm sure it's a perfectly valid critique to be upset by the way it's executed but the idea of because it's, it's not a body switch it's two people being in a form they've never been in right um, and to and one person being on a world they've never been on, um, and who has been spent like what thousands of years being fully convinced that they will not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- it's very powerful to watch. Like it really, like it that hits hard to see a being who was you know seemingly fully lost, uh, come around to the idea of living and the the very specific, uh things that that she lives the things that are specific to his life that we see right so there's the there's the moment with the student the trombone student so you know having that connection to uh the idea of being of being a mentor yeah and and having that uh kind of incomparable power and and magic of being able to inspire somebody in that way then you get the barbershop scene, which, which is just yeah. so, so it, fucking it good. It was hard. And it, that's when we get the double lesson where they both, both of these characters in a way. It's like a realization. Well, yeah, they both represent forms of depression. Yeah. Because he has just been sleepwalking his yes. entire life. And like, you know, the, the barbers or, he, you know, uh, 22 asks in his body, or why haven't we ever talked yeah. about this before? And he's like, <laughs> never. never asked. Yeah. yeah. Why am I always talking about movies to everybody all the time? Exactly. Why? Yeah. 
you're fucking annoying. This this movie is a parable for those with high functioning autism. <laughs> so another thing that I wanted to say about this movie is that this is an incredible New York movie. Like it is such yeah. a good like, especially like just of capturing Queens and of Astoria and that whole area of New York City. It kind of like it captured for me what it was like being in New York for the first time. And the first time you go to New York, it's oh, like a absolutely. magical place. Yeah, it feels and that is how you're seeing the world through 22's eyes for the first time. Yeah, like, you, it's kind of crazy and hectic and madness, but it's beautiful. That's actually very true. It's a tourism met- like not an I'm not saying it's fully intentional, but it does mirror most people's experiences mm-hmm. with New York because many more people have visited it than live there. Yeah. But um, it's not like a see the sights no, movie. But mm-hmm. no, but it's just a thing of like when you as a tourist are on the subway you're looking around like this is crazy and everyone yeah. else wants to kill themselves yeah. <laughs> like that's what it feels there's like actually, you're so right hunter there's actually a moment in the subway um uh kira of zillennial canon tweeted that there is a random extra on who, the subway yeah, who looks just like who got, yep got animated to look exactly like her and she was like what <laughs> oh, man, what is awesome. what is happening uh it's just a woman who just looks like she is coasting <laughs> just here we don't ernie might think that about you i don't think that about i mean you. this whoever <laughs> animated this thinks that of her so damn that's, um that's fucked up pete <laughs> <laughs> or should i say walt or should i say co-director uh other guy with no credits um kemp powers the the third and most important moment that ties 22 to to joe's life is the moment with the mom in the tailor shop and this is what I'm talking about when I say that the whole body switch thing like doesn't ruin the movie at all because you get this moment and it's so perfect. It's so just yeah, small and intimate and also like incredibly consequential and, you know, of great magnitude to joe's life because it she through him she is able to do what he would have never been able to do which is like stand up to his mother and tell her what he thinks and correct me if i'm wrong but the editing of this scene is very smart because Mm -hmm. don't you hear his voice saying the words don't you exactly yeah that's very critical because but but it's it's done in a very like the transition yeah the the, the theoretical camera goes behind the mother's head when it comes on the other side yeah it's just him speaking um, which is important. Uh, problematicness aside, you need to hear the character have the character development moment. Yes, like it's very, very critical, and it's it's so well handled. You hardly even notice it, and you're like, oh, that's that's him talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it hasn't been like that this mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Um, that yeah, that's a lovely fucking scene. Uh, him and jam- you get the idea that like the cat is like telling her what to say. You know, yeah, she's well, not like you, she's not going out. No, the she's rails. not improv. Yeah, you know that for sure. Yeah. I, part of me was thinking like so like they're <laughs> cutting out all the scenes where the cat's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, Mom, <laughs> you, you don't see well, me for me. Yeah, it's shorthand. But then again, it, like maybe it is like a little bit. Impro- I mean, shit, like. 22 just went off the dome whenever they were at the fucking barber shop. And that's giving giving credit to a white woman for a black man's work. Wow. Yet again, Hunter. Yeah, I always I do have a tendency to do that. You know what? This movie's canceled. (laughs) This movie fucking sucks. I I, I understand that critique, especially like you said, there's like the 30 rock thing that people care about. I think that that's also what people are latching on to because it's the Tina Fey aspect of it. But 
Yeah. And also like it's, I mean, Pixar has their own uh, racist history. Like yeah. they don't let black people in. This is co-directed and co-written by a guy named Kemp Powers, who uh, whose name you haven't heard as much as you've heard Pete Doctor being addressed, like even just pertaining to this movie alone. Uh, it says like it literally says on most websites directed by Pete Doctor, co-directed by Kemp Powers. Wow. Yeah. Um, and if I'm guessing, it's probably it might be as a result of what happened with uh, Toy Story 4 uh, where they mm. they realized that they needed to add a voice of color or Coco. I meant Coco. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was a big kerfuffle for Pixar as it should have yeah. been. They messed up. Well, also, not only that, but Coco, whenever it was released in theaters uh, before the movie started to make sure that they appeased the white folk, a 25 minute Olaf's adventure was the <laughs> oh, short that played before it. I never forget. I was going to forget about never that. Never forget that that to open up because it was like, cool, we're going to watch a movie about like people of color. It's like, oh, wait no there's 30 minutes of like a weird christmas tale and it would uh, never end and it's a fucking nightmare you're saying josh gad isn't a poc yeah real quick before we uh before i forget did you guys watch the um the short the short no is it good yeah it's it's really cute it's a nice uh short about like community and the importance of it was kind of a good short for 2020 of like isolationist bunny versus learning to mm. it's like a nice What's five minute thing um, Bur- burrows burrows burrowed not burrows um, like new york um, so then the the last third of the movie kicks in when they go back to the great before and 22 basically like risk risk uh, she she goes into like um she doesn't want to come out. Yeah, she becomes a lost soul. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, she's she's crushed. She's crushed that. Yeah, that, because frankly, Joe was a prick to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he really what he was like. No, it's actually mine. Like you didn't learn shit, bitch. Yeah. I'm sorry that you've been searching for meaning for seven million years. <laughs> I have one. Yeah, and then he he goes back. He much gets, like well, much like Lin Manuel Miranda, he's oh, not no. throwing away his shot. Lin-Manuel's Lin- so greasy fucking hands are all over this goddamn <laughs> movie. They're all over fucking Disney in general. Yeah. They already they're already selling one of the new Pixar movies as a, a Lin, Lin- yeah. a Lin-Manuel Miranda produced. Like he's writing all the music for it. Hey, it is it gonna be a Colombian. It's called Lit Bite the Musical. Oh it is gonna be a Colombian tale, Encanto, you know? So I got I got to I got to ride for yeah, it. Yeah, you got to support it. And I feel like we have to watch it too or else what does that say about us? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was the only person to watch Wonder Woman, so, you know. Yeah, what does it say about me and Ernie? Are we anti-Israel? Maybe. <laughs> sure. Yeah, de- actually <laughs> okay. def- yeah, definitely. Probably. Yes. So what does it say about Hunter? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um Yeah, so we were talking about a little bit about the antagonist. What was the the little rat guy's name? Terry. Terry okay Terry it was yeah Jerry's and then the Terry um I do like that it's kind of that that does not become what the focus of this movie is because I was worried at a certain point when it kept kind of cutting away to him that was like uh this is kind of just how I have like he's gonna show up and then he's the big bad guy and stuff like that and this movie isn't really interested in that no definitely instead joe does kind of become yeah the dick in all of this because it's about do you 
like you've already lived a full life, but you're now getting your one quote unquote breakthrough moment. Are you willing to sacrifice somebody else ever getting their chance to live and to be a person so that you can have your one moment? It just it almost feels like why even have him doing this little thing at all? Because he's so hardly there in the real world. He just shows up a couple times. He has that one little bit where he accidentally kidnaps the wrong guy. Sort of a throwaway gag. Um, It's a funny gag. It, it, yeah, it's pretty. It's okay, but like, it's just like, yeah. He, Don't eat the processed foods, bro. <laughs> it's, fucking bad for you, bro. It's just, it just felt to me like you either do more or less with him because right now he's like, just he's kind of there. Like he pops up in a painting and then he just like goes away. Like these are. It is to, a cool visual. These though, are to these, have that animation yeah. overlaid on the more. Oh no, it's it's extremely cool looking. It's just these are supposed to be like omniscient, like. You know, like very powerful beings, and he's just like, where, are, where is yeah, this fucking guy? <laughs> um, it, it, because the thing is, one thing that like an antagonist is supposed to introduce is tension, which we already have a lot of because of the body switch and because of the deadline of the show that night. Um, because it's not as if uh, Angela Bassett is like a hero. No, yeah. she just she is just trying to get get paid. She's yeah. just trying to play her this show and get paid. This is just a job. For yeah. me. This isn't like her big break or anything. But the scene, like I said earlier, the scene of the actual gig is glorious. I could have been in that for way longer yeah, than such we a, were. Such a vibe. They just kept cutting from song to song, and I was like, man, I really if, uh, wish they could play this out longer. If Giselle had directed this, that scene would have been like 20 minutes. It, and, dude, it would have been the whole fucking yeah, movie. And yeah, it would have just. And it would have been, been uh, a white man <laughs> also. So let's actually not think about yeah. that. No, it would have been centered around like Roger or Robert or whoever the guy who got yeah, kicked guy- out was. That was probably like some white dude. That would have been the main character. Joe just watches. <laughs> He's like, damn, this guy's pretty good. This, this white boy's actually. He's actually saving jazz music. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then he. He's talking to her after, and he's like, "That's it. Like, yeah. now what?" Yeah, and like, she and she drops next? a lovely little movie uh, quote, you know, like a classic movie thing, where like, you know, I heard this story once about a fish. Yeah. You could say it was a big fish, which is literally like the, I learned in a screenwriting class. Like, like if you need to teach someone a lesson, just like say you heard a story about something. There you go. Yeah, but <laughs> it is a great quote. Like it is a quote that no, I, I'm I looking for the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Like little fish go, or young fish goes to an old yeah. fish and says, "I'm looking for the ocean." They said, "You're in the ocean." And he said, no. "No, this is water." Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the quote. You know, can't see the forest through the trees. Like yeah. it's it's a very it's just like a very it's like the perfect little nugget to hear from someone in that moment in his life. And, and it, we it gotta works. we gotta remember, this is a movie for children, <laughs> so it's like so important to have your theme of your movie be very especially when your movie is as heady as this to be very explicitly stated by one of the characters like we need that and we need because that's that's essentially the whole point of this movie is joe is chasing after something that is clouding everything else around him listen though here's here's a question do you think this is as close as we're going to get to a pixar movie for adults because this movie isn't for kids but they include a lot so that kids can watch it I mean, the magic of Pixar is that all of their movies I know, are for know, but it's usually the reverse of that, where it's for kids, but they include things so that adults can watch right. it. This is the exact opposite. Ex- yes. So is this as close as we're going to get? Or will we one day just, will Pixar just let it go and make a fucking <laughs> adults movie? 
Oof, Wouldn't that is a great question. Like, Holy shit. Th- I thought I that a lot while watching this. That. I was like, you guys don't have to like include all the kids. Just it's going to be it. hard for Pete Doctor to kind of go back to making something as like closer to Monsters, Inc. after something. No, like it's like, not. Yeah, he it could just do feels, it. He could do it. No, he, he could. could but just, I, I just I don't know if that's the direction he wants to go. Oh, you're saying something heavier, more heavier. more kid friendly? No, I'm saying if you wanted to go back to sen- making something as kid friendly as some of his earlier yeah. work like he has gotten heavier and heavier i mean he went from up to inside out to now this like he is getting like much more heavy with his tones that he's trying to put in his movies no definitely and that's yeah that's why i'm asking this question because they're like at multiple points in this movie i was like if they just let him do what he actually wanted like we'd have like an like the best movie ever made well pete doctor he needs pixar yeah, because he can't make these movies anywhere else. No, these movies are massive budget, like well marketed, and they need to be animated. Yeah, how the fuck blanche, do you make like, this yeah, movie this... live action? You fucking can't. Um, yeah, no, and like, what I I forget who said it. It was some. It was uh maybe David Ehrlich. It was a more negative review, way more negative than I feel about this movie. But he said like Pixar wants what Don Hertzfeld has interesting yeah which yeah. is very true like this movie yeah, but is, Pete, d- nobody watches that no, like that's exa- such a that's, niche well, thing yeah that's what i'm saying if you want to go low budget with a movie like this and have stick figures it can be a, like a, an absolute masterpiece which that you know that one Hertzfeld movie is it's because mm-hmm. it's unmoored by any other property like it can be what it wants to be but it's still stick figures and it's still not for everybody and uh people haven't seen it so who wins like i i yeah. want pete doctor to I want Pixar to just let him have one. I think this th- is to them. This is letting him have. Uh, yeah, one. I was this gonna say. So, I think that this is letting <laughs> yeah, him have because this is so out there. Yeah. But there's still I still feel the compromises that I feel with uh, pretty much every Disney movie. Well, I think that I mean it'll kind of be time will tell because it's gonna be a big determining factor not just for Pete Doctor's future but for the future of Disney Plus is how well does this movie do? Like well, how many people tune in to watch this movie how many people signed up on the service this week so that they could watch yeah soul and, and cr- critics like it but what about little kids like that's yeah i mean that is kind of it's I, also the I, thing is though that's also hard to gauge because when little kids leave a movie they always liked it yeah yeah that's you know it's like that Mulaney sketch As, but <laughs> it's kind of what you were talking about with wonder woman is like there's a difference between going to the movies versus watching it at home. Like if you're sitting down a little kid in a movie theater for two hours, it, that's yeah. a different thing yeah, than and like, they might, let's they, put this yeah, on the so TV. So maybe they would absorb a little bit more of like the, the heavier stuff. But watching this at home when you have like three kids and like dogs and shit. I don't think a little kid is going to have time for. Like, oh, they're going to tune kid. out immediately. No, okay. So yeah. if you just like Google Soul, there is like I think I saw I saw it earlier. And it just made me laugh really, really hard because there's like Soul ending explained, which <laughs> the irony behind that title for a headline, bro, what? Is incredible. I think it was decided. Is, it, is the video it's... just like a video of the last scene? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's... That's, that's the ending. Well, explained. also because it's just like if you're looking for a meaning in this movie then the movie just went right over your head and it well, just you just completely they missed just, it they like tell you the meaning of the movie but it's the meaning crazy. is but the mean if you are looking for a meaning a single meaning then yeah. that is missing the point because the whole point of the movie is that okay. it's 
life. It's just like learning to love and to appreciate yeah. life. Look, it's not looking for one solid thing to hold on exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, it's not just like oh, I got let's know. let's talk about the ending. So essentially, he plays the big gig. He doesn't feel as fulfilled as he thought he would. So he goes home and he gets on the piano, starts playing the piano, and then he puts all the little trinkets in a row. Yeah, to, to remember. It, well, he yeah, he literally like has a seance. Mm-hmm. Like Thanks. he yeah, he has like a, a TM transcendental meditation session. Bust out the Ouija board. And, yeah, yeah, in the vein of all the other spiritualists the, that he talks to earlier. We get we get a classic Pete Doctor montage of his life, which is extremely effective. Oh, did cry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like all right, Pixar just knows the buttons to press. They have it down to a science, and. He he does it. He through his seance, he's able to transport himself back up to the the great before, and he's like, "All right, let's do it. Let's let's give you back your your pass." Uh, well, he has to like she's she, oh, there's a whole thing where she's like one of the lost souls, yeah, and he has to like coax her back to because actually that is a really great scene when he's in the monster yeah he's and, inside yeah. and it's like all of her anxieties are attacking him yeah i thought that really was cool. really 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 cool good visual. i was like that's that's just really really well done um and then um then he's like you know what i'm i'm actually all done you can you can have you can have your life you can have yeah. your pass so this is another thing that interested me uh initially he was supposed to actually just fucking die, yeah. which is like so, so stupid to me. No. So I think that that I actually think that that makes for a better well, movie. What personally? What, but uh, it's not a kid's movie. Exactly. At that point. Yeah. I think because I think the whole thing is like that. It's learning like, you know what? No, I've lived my life. But he hasn't it. yet. That's the problem. He has, this, though. No, but we're watching. No, like we see a montage like he's in his 30s, probably. And he's like kind of lived his well, life. I, I thought that's what he was can't going to die. He hasn't. He's not fulfilled yeah, yet. I he's hope I le- lived in my 30s. He's learned. He just learned how to be fulfilled. Yeah. And then he dies. I, that's that, so stupid. I thought to that's me. what was going to happen. Like in the moment. I was like, yeah. So so he's at the piano well, in his apartment and he just drops dead on the piano. What the? This is a kids movie. What the fuck? Well, yeah, and also like his mom, like that's a big thing. And then the uh, well, another issue I had with the movie is like I could tell that that's what was supposed to happen because then all of a sudden like Jerry shows up and it's like, hey, actually now you can go back. It's cool. And then it, it, that's it. Like that that is an ex machina and that is a rewrite thing. I was watching that like, yeah, this is a rewrite. And then I googled it and it was a rewrite. It was a rewrite. The Very other, clearly. Well, so the if I was going to pick, I think the only thing that like kind of bugged me a little bit was just the very very end because it does kind of end like bang it's done yeah like and i've done there was apparently like a several different ideas that they had going around one of them was going to be that joking like that they were both alive it was gonna flash forward to like 11 years later i would have loved to have they were seen going that. to see each other and i think that i would because we don't see the, the like, person what if, she if becomes he's back, it, like that's here's the oh, pitch that. is like they he's still he goes back to being a teacher and then like a child walks in they just like share a glance with each other yeah that, that would have like been that. great that's a tear jerk like that would have that would have made me cry yeah uh i think that would have been better well so what we do get is he comes back to to life he you know he doesn't die at the fucking piano like i thought he would which honestly you know maybe if this was directed by david fincher or something that would have been great 
but um, he Charlie doesn't. Kaufman. He doesn't die at the. I, I'm just picturing him just like fucking a dead body he at the piano with all these little trinkets. Charlie Kaufman as he blows his fucking brains out. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe sees like a weird animated pig as he walks <laughs> through the hallway of his house. <laughs> And it tells him that it's actually okay for him to die now. So. And then the best part was I couldn't believe Jamie Foxx just like verbatim read the accepted speech from a beautiful mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the We're last shot. the new Charlie Kaufman movie. So the last shot. So audience knows. Is he is walking out into the sunshine. Uh, yeah. A changed man. And yeah. And like, you know, Jerry's like, what are you going to do? And he's like. I don't know, but uh, I'm gonna make the it's most. It's gonna of be it. something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, they didn't. They didn't like. It's not the most graceful ending, but it. I do like it because, like, it honestly, it just doesn't matter. Like, that's the point of the movie. Is that like you can you can think that he goes back to the middle school. And he becomes a middle school teacher again. He takes the full-time job. You can think that he doesn't ever go back to the middle school and starts pursuing full-time music mm-hmm. with this band that he just played an awesome show with. The fact that we don't see it yeah. is the point. No, I'm, it's yeah. like yeah, it I'm, doesn't yeah. matter. I'm cool with that. I'm totally fine with that. It doesn't matter what he chooses because yeah. that's the point of the movie. It's like you – should not define yourself and the purpose of your life and your inner spark by whatever that choice is. Uh-huh. Yeah, because by saying that he either went back to the school or saying that he continued to tour with this quartet, then that is making a, the movie making a statement. And I, for that point, I think that you are right that it is better that the movie ends as abruptly as it does. Yes. Yeah. And obviously the ending you would assume is that he remains being a teacher and he moonlights playing with exactly exactly that's that's the that's the perceived that's like the implied and maybe he calls it it that girl what was was that's yeah lisa lisa who we yeah we hear about like once never couple you hear about her a couple times never never again (laughs) like don't don't know what the fuck's up with her um does she show up in his like memory i think she i think she might yeah maybe that's like one like jerking off to her or something (laughs) her facebook photos Jesus yeah, Christ. in the Pixar movie. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, he didn't get far with her. He's just like, who's this guy on our Instagram? <laughs> um, if this movie were directed by, by Charlie Kaufman, there would be an extended sequence of him just like sitting of on him the just couch. Like bare naked, just jacking yeah. off. Well, no, 22 would be like, why do I feel the urge to get on Facebook and beat my shit to... <laughs> There's that scene where she's there's that scene where she's like as him in the shower and it's like wait what is a human body what is this yeah big there's, old thing so there's I mean so I was going to say this for Wonder Woman 2 um cuz this kind of applies that both Wonder Woman 84 whenever um Chris Pine's character gets brought back to life and the body switch there is an alternate movie to this where this just becomes a full-fledged horror film. Like in both instances, like where you have a man who died in World War One coming back in the 1980s. And How he's does just he like, come back? They wish on a stone. I don't know. It's does a MacGuffin. He, does who he cares? take over somebody's body? Yes, he does. He takes over. That's kind of cool. Um, but whatever. Who cares? But there is another version of this movie, too, where it just goes like full body horror element to it and you know what i'd like to see well, david lynch make that's soul correct. too because 
he is in the hospital because he's near death because uh, he fell in a manhole. He has like broken bones. <laughs> And she is like controlling his body. He should be falling apart. <laughs> yeah, also, he's like fine. And she should be feeling it. Honestly, I, I did want to say like he's kind of lucky that he died on impact of falling through that manhole. I have so many questions how deep that manhole was because like that seems like a very slow and painful death. What falling from a manhole like what it's probably like die. i mean probably he like was 10 in the... 15 feet you're probably just breaking your legs and then bleeding out and like well, screaming but, but for he help. didn't die he made it to impact. a hospital yeah he's in the hospital and he's still like he's still on life support so maybe he like blacked out well his and... he, his soul left his body like i i don't <laughs> now we're getting into like the intricacies of like where you <laughs> when you at what point do you die so you fall down the manhole you make it to the hospital. You're on life support, but your soul is like about to get to the afterlife. And oh, so you think like waiting in the line was like being like in a comatose state? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm All right about that. Well, we can only hope to have some sort of crazy afterlife adventure when we all reach our ends do you guys think well you know what i was gonna ask a question and i'm already almost positive that this exists i was gonna ask do you guys think that there's already been a cult established that has uh dedicated themselves that this is the actual version of the afterlife i'm sure there's some overlap with some other like do you think that just like random uh we are in orlando there's fucking disney fanatics e-boys e-girls out there okay you just said two. you just addressed two very different groups i'm just saying no but i'm no disney fanatics and e-boys and e-girls are wildly different people yeah that's psychotic just any okay so any people okay so we'll stick with disney fanatics do you think that there are some like disney super fans out there who have like mickey mouse tattooed across their faces like that they have already created this as a cult well i i feel like pixar is often its own little island removed from that yeah so you i i don't know i think that like true disney fanatics are the like the even the adults who are super disney fans they are as far as processing this movie they're children they are not capable of having that like that level of thought about a movie and they they in order for that to happen the this movie needs to be commercialized first like they need to it's go to just, Disney World and buy like all the yeah, merch and dolls and yeah. then they'll start to kind of buy into whatever they're obsessed cult. yeah they're obsessed with Star Wars I'm now, not realizing it's Disney and they weren't before yeah like that's it's those people the it's like Disney fanatics are freaks man I I saw thousands of them on Tinder uh, nice. during, so during I quarantine. I do want to say that I did not to. mean e boys and e girls yeah um, I, you, I what is the word that I'm looking for of like the the Disney fan i don't know d boys and d girls d boys and d girls Uh, yeah yeah, people with like really big gums (laughs) yeah people when you when you're swiping through their tinder profiles one of them is just chewbacca and you're like wait what yeah people yeah and people who all all their pictures it's it's this is just my own experience which is just with girls on these apps but their their main pictures are them in front of the magic kingdom castle and they're wearing like you know, like workout clothes because they're having a day at Disney. <laughs> like they're going everywhere. <laughs> they they are they're spending fourteen dollars on square pizza slices. It's psych 
Magic Kingdom sucks. I want to see. I want to. It sucks. Hey, what man, is the, wrong with hey, Magic? Man. Whoa, the, whoa. The, the, why are you the shitting pool, on Magic Kingdom? The food blows. The attractions are for babies. The what Winnie, is good there? The Winnie it's the Pooh the ride. It's still a fun magical time. Like for who? if I'm for, bring, a, for a baby. If I'm bringing somebody in, to, I'm baby. Somebody, no, if somebody wants to come to Disney, that's like not from the state of Florida. If like my cousins and like I don't know, fucking like nebraska want to come to florida and they're like i want to go to disney world i'm gonna take them to magic kingdom because that is the classic disney world you have cousins in nebraska yeah it's like i'm just making up just a random state that does not like it's it's the classic but it sucks like there's nothing good there it's bad telling you bro space mountain Okay, so this Space Mountain fucking so slaps. You, how much are you Thunder paying? Mountain is there too? How Thunder much Mountain are you is paying to, a dope fucking roller coaster? Okay, you don't but hey, you sneak in. The you whole experience the of it just like blows. Like I went there more recently, and I was like, wow, all this food is like cafeteria food. Yeah, like, and you're paying out. No, well, you, you obviously weren't getting uh, turkey legs, and also then, which are no. like twelve dollars. They're fucking huge. They're delicious, and your stomach will hurt for like no, forty eight hours. Yeah. This is what you do. You bring a backpack. And you fill the backpack with pub subs and <laughs> chips mm-hmm. and you don't buy any food. How, how many pub subs are you eating? Depends on how day. many people you're going with. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like just for yourself. No, like I, you're if, like, yeah, I put like 12 pub subs in there. You're, are, are you going to go to Disney World by yourself? Is that what's happening? I don't know, man. If I get past, you know, you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to a theme park by myself, like to Universal or to Islands of Adventure. Yeah, you don't go like, to Disney World alone. <laughs> Magic Kingdom. I always want to be like, on like I, just want to, I just want to ride. It's a small world all day long. <laughs> you would like you you take us and then you like you get out in the middle of that ride and you just like join the <laughs> yeah you you become part of the attraction. Holy shit! For like eight hours, you're just you're just waiting in line to take a picture with Sleeping Beauty, and yeah. it's like all just like little girls, and then just. Yeah. Just Hunter in the middle of the my line. pupils are fucking huge. Yeah, and, like and you're like, hey, I have sweat. something for you, and it's it's your cum tribute to her. <laughs> oh, oh Jesus Christ! We gotta end this podcast. I'm not. <laughs> what's your fate? What's your go to uh, park then at Disney? I don't go to Disney because it's for babies. What are like? How old I, are we? Disney is Disney World is not for babies. You need to hey, stop man. being so pretentious. Hey, uh, there's that new um, Epcot's the shit. Avatar. You know what? Guess what? You're not gonna come to the Ratatouille ride with us. Epcot not- is not good. The food and drinks there are like worse than what you could get at a restaurant if you go to an actual cultural. This is the cultural... worst take that you have ever brought up. No, it's it's, not. it's white people versions of exotic food. It's racist. You're racist. <laughs> no. Okay, you can just not like, like all. Whoa! Of this. I went to Epcot China and I tried orange chicken. <laughs> yeah, no. that's what they have. You know, if I you wanted. Take... To, I'm excited about the Ratatouille ride. Damn it! And you will not. We ruin have this for like me. The, the one of the richest like little Vietnams of any city in America, and you go to fucking Epcot. I'm and... not going there to eat their food. I just like. Then like what? To what walk... else are you doing? It's just to walk around. Do you just go? I almost never buy food while I'm at theme parks. It's way too. You go to expensive. Epcot to get food. No, I go there if. If anything, I'll go there a drink to drink around the world. Yeah. Whoa. I tried plum wine. It's not worth it. It's still, it's Wait, just about the atmosphere listen, of li- what just like little kids screaming. Like it's, it's not, it's for babies. It's I loved for, it so much when I was a kid. And then like as an adult, it's like, yeah, this Hollywood would be Studios great. is fucking dope. They used to have the great movie ride, which was the best ride at Disney. Until Why they don't they have a Max Keeble ride? <laughs> that was on the, that was on the great movie ride. 
It was feature. It was the main thing. Max guides you through his yeah, last you day ride, of school. You ride the the um, what's it called? The the ostrich. The ostrich. Yes. <laughs> you <ride Yeah>. the- <laughs> Yo, the rock and roller coaster. And you're getting chased by a bulldozer. <laughs> Tower of Terror. Wait, I was going to say. Tower of Terror is not for babies. Rock and Roller Coaster certainly isn't for babies because it's starring Aerosmith. And I don't think anybody That's under the age of 13 knows who Aerosmith That's is. That's because Disney World is so cheap. They they need to update the shit out of that park. It's so outdated. Oh, trust me. There's Honey, that one tropical. Uh, yeah, Star Wars World is there now. Oh, so cool. it's updated. I'll, yeah, I'll be sure to show up for that. Yeah. You mean you won't ride the Millennium Falcon? Um. N- this is I. This is Disney exhausting. World, Disney World's fun. This I don't care what you say. I like Disney. <gasps> Wait, I Disney was gonna, is a fun time. I was gonna say at Epcot, if you go to the Italy area and you take a picture at just the right angle, you can trick people into thinking that you're actually in Italy. It'll go a long way. I like to do that in Tomorrowland. I go there and I'm like, look, I, I actually in space. But seriously, the best park is Animal Kingdom. So. Animal Kingdom is dope. Yeah, that's what I would say is my favorite. It's it's yeah. the most interesting. Yes. Also, James Cameron, Avatar. Forever. It's Animal Kingdom, and number two is the Japan store in Epcot. Dude, yes. Oh yeah, they have that is a great every store. Miyazaki movie, including ones that are like out of print and stuff like that. Like they they got a bunch of shit. Yeah. What's the? Oh yeah. Part? So, but it's it's almost like it's racist to shop from a store <laughs> at Epcot, isn't it? Huh, Drew? Yeah, yeah kind huh, of. Huh, Drew. Yeah, huh, huh, Drew. Yeah. You, if you're real, you get on Alibaba.com. <laughs> oh. All right. Well. That's Listeners, Soul. Let us know if you think that Disney World is for babies or not. Let us know what you thought of Soul. Let us know what you thought of all the things we talked about on Ketchup. This is it for 2020. Thank you all for listening this year for sticking around. Um, we got good things coming at you 2021. We're going to try some new things, some new segments, some new series. We had a lot of fun with some of our shorter series this year, like PTA and Lord of the Rings. So we're going to try to do more stuff like that. A little bit more planned out, a little bit more extended and, uh, with guests, lots of, lots of guest stars, returning guests, new guests, all that good fun. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the donors who donate. Um, I just remembered. I'm so glad I remember this. Because of you generous donors, we are going to do a special episode where we watch every episode of Bradley Cooper's Kitchen Confidential on DVD. Mm-hmm. I secure the bag. I secure the DVD. That, this is huge. Yeah. Um, this is for adults. <laughs> this is... Yeah, so um, this is not for babies. No babies allowed. <laughs> that'll be coming at you, and that's thanks to all you beautiful donors. It, so thank you. A uh, network sitcom based on Anthony Bourdain's life, <laughs> starring Bradley is, is an oxymoron. <laughs> There's no heroin going on. Like it, he's just like getting drunk, maybe after work. Like I'm so excited. Yeah, it was short lived, and it's now uh, complete in a single DVD. Um, can't watch it anywhere else i i thought it, i think it was on hulu at some point but not anymore um and of course starting next week we are counting down our top 10 albums tv shows and movies of 2020 with our annual list of mania so stick around for that um and yeah have a happy 2021 happy new year stay safe stay healthy wear a happy mask new year um thank you can't get worse than this right 
Thank you. Thank you. Rate, review, subscribe, share the pod, follow us online. Um, We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.